It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi everybody, Russ of My Hammers 11. Hope you are all safe and well. Apologies for the Christmas jumper particularly for those watching it after Christmas now, but doesn't matter. Um, if you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing, uh, hitting the bell icon. And also, as always, I'd like to thank our channel sponsors, Untuck It. So check them out in the description below. Today's guest is, is a busy man. He does lots of has lots of different hats on, um, but the most important one is he's a West Ham fan. Uh, it, it's Tom Henry. Hi, Tom. How are you, man? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I wish that I had got the memo about the jumper, to be honest. Yeah. Right? Wardrobe yeah. full of terrible Christmas jumpers. I've actually stripped this room of Christmas paraphernalia to make this interview more timeless. Yeah. And yeah. you've got extremely festive. So I regret well, I that. Have. I have, I have. And to be honest, to be perfectly honest, Tom, I, I've I've been extremely festive probably from about early early November. I'm the annoying household in the street who puts up their Christmas decorations pretty much almost straight after Halloween. Oh, um, no. So yeah, yeah. We have set rules in our house. Christmas decorations go up on the 14th, they go down on the 27th. And my neighbor has lights outside the front of their house. He's a lovely person, sure. But he has his lights on till midnight. It's too late. It's oh, too right. late. That too is late. too late. That is too late. We yeah, I mean when we when you could go out, do you remember when you used to be able to go out? That was fun that was that time. What? Um yeah, I know go to like a restaurant and, and like to the theater and stuff no, like well, that. I quite like my lounge. I can't, I'm quite used to it now, yeah. But I was, when you used to get in, a, in an Uber or a taxi home and they go, where's, where's, where are we stopping off? And I went, well, Blackpool Illuminations, basically, at the top of the road. You can see it at the top of the hill. Yeah. And uh, yeah, midnight's, I think mine go off about 11, half 10, 11, which is acceptable. 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 But not in November. No. Well, we, 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 got, we had requests from our, our elderly next door neighbours to put them up early. And I was right. like, yeah, okay. don't need to ask me. And we're doing it for charity as well. We, I got a QR code printed for iron supporting food banks and put it on the front. So, you know, no one can don't make it seem like a worthy cause now. You can't now. Don't make me regret what I've already said. I'm going to buy it. I think we've made about 100 quid, which is, you know, not bad for them. Bless them. Um, anyway, how, how are you, Tom? How, how's things with you, man? Yeah, well, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, you know, it's been a, been a weird time. So one of my jobs is to um, 
to run Talksport's international commentary team, and it's sort of been uh, been a bit odd because we sort of stopped for a bit, and then we haven't stopped since. Yeah, and uh, just came back off doing what do we do? Seven games last night, a couple of commentaries, and uh, producing some of the shows, getting everyone in. You know, it's just been uh, it's been a manic, manic time, and delivering it has been challenging. And uh, a lot of the things we used to be able to do, like get to games and get individual interviews done and all that sort of stuff, that's that's not happening. A lot of Zoom calls, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So um, it's a weird time, as it is for all of us, but I'm ploughing on. You know, the football never stops, so neither no. do I. You're right. It's that sort of that that hundred day period when there was no Premier League football, and, and then you had this sort of like feast and famine. Well, no, famine and feast halfway around. Yeah. Um, like a deluge, wasn't it? And even more so now. It's as you said, like you know, yesterday, like a full like league program almost. It was like well, we're getting games. You know, we had uh, a full program again. We had one Friday, then a few Saturday, a few Sunday. So yeah. I did two commentaries a week for uh, for our international partners. So you do two of them. And then we had a day off where I do a show for Sirius in America. And then I come back, we had games Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, and then we're back again Saturday. And then we're back again. And on the lockdown bit, so the lockdown had what, March or whatever. Our last game was March 8th or something like that. Oh, yeah. uh, and uh, my uh, my daughter was born at the start of April. So we had like oh, two God. weeks where I was like, what are we doing? And then we had a baby. And so yeah. the bit where people were like on their sofa eating crisps, we were busier than ever. Yeah, so it just it nothing has stopped, but you know, no. it's all right. I'm all right. Yeah, and as you said, at least you've been locked down, um, so to speak. You are more likely that sort of you know two weeks parental leave or whatever. You know, you get to spend a lot more time with with your newborn and stuff. And yes, so... and, but now it's been a bit like nine months of semi parental leave. I do most <laughs> yeah. of the work in this seat in my front room. Yeah, and um, it's it's when she starts crying at like 10am when I've only just started working I, I regret all my life choices yeah yeah it doesn't get no easier Tom I'll be honest like but like we had a we had a call on Sunday night for my daughter's school she's eight and uh they were like oh yeah well a lot of teachers are self-isolating it seems now there's been an outbreak mm-hmm. so you've got to homeschool them uh yeah, for, yeah. for the, this week oh thank you oh thank you so much but what you've been doing is showing the kids my West Ham 11s over and over again she, yeah, so basically, yeah. 11 like that yeah, she can. She can. Yeah, I've just got her to go through them all and, and mark them all down to make sure my uh, my tallying is correct. Now she's she's really good. Uh, she's really. Good. So me and my wife both work full time as well. So it's like you know trying to juggle everything and oh, it's, yeah, sure. it's we're almost there. It's almost like good. it's funny because it seems like people are crawling to Christmas and we've been locked up for so long that people are desperate to have Christmas where they can't go anywhere anyway. It's it's yeah. a bizarre thing, isn't it? Because like you think, oh christmas oh just sit in don't do anything put my feet up on the sofa we've been doing that since yeah since March. well the good news is this year is i don't think that we're going to have any family around for this christmas uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but the yeah. good news usually my dad and i have several rows at christmas like everyone yeah. and their dads, i'm sure but the row we're having currently is is lanzini finished Ooh. and that row has been going on now for about 18 months uh, and uh, he still thinks he's got something to offer I think we should probably try and let him go to where his level is, like second-tier Spain. That's where about he is, I think, yeah. is what I've seen for the last 18 months. But that route goes on and on. And then, of course, he scores that great goal against Tottenham. And yeah. I want to celebrate it, but I know it's going to ruin Christmas. So yeah. it's, uh, it, was a tough, it was a tough moment for me. Yeah, yes. And, and obviously, he came on at the Palace game and, and arguably sort of gave a bit more 
creativity to the, obviously we've been replacing four nows uh, the palace game at half time um you know it looked a bit better the team did that second I, half I, I, think. I mean the player he was in 2015 uh, 17 that era you know before the big injury he got with argentina I, I really thought he would be fantastic i mean i hate saying this as a supporter but the fact he was linked with tottenham and linked with liverpool makes you think actually maybe he's quite good yeah because we can't really assess our players like from the outside you know when you look at other clubs and i had a, a, a palace fan mate and he was telling me how much he likes hiro Riedewald. In midfield, no, like, he's useless. What are you talking about? But apparently he thinks he's really good. You know, that fan as opposed to outsider thing. Yeah. I think outsiders used to think Lanzini was good. Outsiders now go, oh, no. Yeah. You know, right, that, that's where Lanzini is. Yeah, no, I know. It, but you're right. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, because he's sort of, when you think he's, He's one of those players, you know, you think, oh, he's completely finished. And then, as you said, then there was the Tottenham game. I mean, he's still technically, obviously, very gifted. You know, that yeah. doesn't go away. But it's that bit where he used to... It went, I mean, I remember Tottenham away, the one where Harry Kane scored late, the penalties and all that. Yeah. He scored a penalty for us on the day. And he was just phenomenal in central midfield. I think it was him and Obiang. And he was just rock solid. And by that, yeah. I mean, he was riding tackles. He's backing into people. He was a physical presence for a little guy. And I thought he could play central midfield for us. He's the new noble. Yeah. You know, he's the guy who could do the noble job as well as he could score a great goal for us. You know, he could be everything for us in that position. And then he doesn't have that now. He doesn't have the being able to survive the physical battle. And that's, no, that's it. You let you talk to footballers that have come to England to play, often in retirement, they're a bit this more than when they're playing. I think Timo Werner said something like this recently. It was like, it's not about necessarily the speed. It's the fact that it's a lot more physical. You get kicked, yeah. there's more physical contact. You know, there's more pulling of the shirts, pulling of the shorts, normally the scrape down the ankles, you're bustling into people, you know. Mm. We're in an era now where everyone feels the bustle and jumps on the ground, which drives me mad. And it's getting worse yeah. and worse and worse. Yeah. But there's still more of that here than elsewhere. Yeah. And at the moment, I, when I watch Lanzini, I don't see that he can ride that tackle and create something. But mm. then again, we're great at free kicks. So I'll take the free kicks now. Exactly. It's almost like in hockey, isn't it? Where you have like a, when they have a short penalty, a short corner, and they bring on a, a substitute yeah. for a short corner. Yeah, it's like Lanzini. It's like the other day when, when they took Bowen off. I was like, oh my God, who's going to cross the ball in? And then, you know, it's like, and then they brought Snoddy on. They rolled Snoddy on the last 10 minutes, bless him. But uh, no, it's, um, and I mean, the boys are doing all right, aren't they? I mean, you know, it's considering where everyone thought the doom and gloom at the beginning of the season um, to be, you know, in the top half. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's a funny old world, isn't it, as a West Ham fan? Like, the first yeah. time Moyes came in, and I was on air doing a TalkSport 2 show at the time when he when he came in, uh, with Mark Webster, of course, West Ham yeah. fan, all right, in the yeah. programme too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant guy, as you know. And um, we had this whole row, and we don't really row, Mark and I, we get on really well, but uh, I just couldn't believe that we brought David Moyes in. I couldn't yeah. believe it. I was so disappointed. And I think mainly because I loved Bilic so much and I would happily have got relegated for Slavon Bilic. I'd have happily given him 10 years to, to see what he could do with that team, go down, come up, you know, what else we got going yeah. So I wasn't happy with it. But then in that period when, um, and I went to a game where, with the game where we lost against Stoke, where Joe Hart gave it to Peter Crouch to the last minute, all that, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, under Moyes and, uh, you know, all, all the, those home games against Bournemouth and Palace where we showed no ambition to win. We've got draws out of them, all that. But over time, that period, David Moyes earned the respect that I should have given him at the start. We all should have. And I wanted him to stay. When they got Pellegrini, I thought it was an awful idea, a ridiculous idea. And I'm really pleased Moyes has come back. 
And I think that there are many skeptics still that won't necessarily go for Moyes, but me, I'd happily give Moyes a four or five year contract and I would let him make us not a joke. I yeah. think that's, that's really, I, I don't want to be an embarrassment. And I think even if he went down, it would be because he didn't get the players he wanted as opposed to, yeah. we tried to be seven up front away at City, you yeah. know, or the, Pe the Pellegrini games at home against City where he, we were four nil down in like 20 minutes and we still had five players forward. You yeah. know, it's amazing to me how often the 60-year-old-plus South American coaches come to England somehow still naive. Like Bielsa, everyone's like, oh, it's amazing football. They're getting beaten by West Ham at home and they're yeah. running through the midfield and he won't put another midfielder in there. He won't yeah. put another defender on. He'll, oh, I play my way. Great, thanks. Three points, yeah. please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's so true. And I think it's... And that's what I like about Moisey. I've, you know, I'm, I'm, because I think he's just he's he's building something. You, I mean, you know, when you interview footballers when they when they move, you know, to a new club, they go, oh, "I've been moved. I'm moving for the project." The manager's told me about this project. The uh, project. Not, yeah, not the 150 grand you've got yeah. in the back pocket, but um, how, many, how many projects a week am I getting? Exactly. Yeah. So, but this one seems a project. Moyes seems to be building something. Do you know what I mean? The, the backroom staff. And... The main thing is, Russ, is that he's competent, and we yeah. lack competence as a football club. Yeah. You know, God knows I love the place and the chaos and the nonsense that we put up with over the years. But I mean, I was in a very small group amongst my family who are pretty much all West Ham fans. But I wanted Allardyce to stay. And I know you can't say that anymore. And I know it wasn't the majority opinion. <laughs> People all thought he'd, he'd, he'd run his course. And of course, the, I was there with the whole game and the cup in the year and all that. Yeah. But I am a big fan of competence. I think it's a massively underrated thing. And I mean that personally, right. professionally, as a supporter, in the world we live in, competence is underrated. And Moyes has it. And he seems like a top guy as well. You know, yeah. I think he seems like a real good person. You know, so uh, I'm happy for him to stay for as long as he wants. As long as he wants, exactly. And I think he's 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 been very shrewd of his backroom staff, and you know, there's there are not you know, and we I know you mean about not being a pushover anymore. We don't seem yeah. to be a pushover anymore. We've got you know, sort of the Sue Check and Declan Rice. I mean, they they put it about against anyone, you know, and it's uh, it's nice to see. It's it's nice. Yeah, to see. I mean, the trouble is, is that I say the trouble. It's the the fact is that we won't keep Declan Rice for longer than, let's say, a max of three seasons from this point, yeah. unless we were yeah. to qualify for the Champions League. And yeah. I feel like if he gave us seven years and left at 25, I could cope with that. Yeah. I think players who leave because they want to go win something, if they've given you six or seven years, really good years, and they decide, look, this club, I, I love it, but I cannot stay here for my entire career, I'm happy to shake their hands, they can move on. And I think two, yeah. two more years out of Declan, I think he's earned that of everybody. And yeah. I saw a link this week with um, Socek going to, to Bayern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably garbage. But I think he's good enough to play for someone like Bayern. Definitely. I really think he is a brilliant, brilliant footballer. Yeah. And the fact is that for the first time in 15 years, we don't look awful when Mark Noble's not playing. No, yeah, yeah. And he, we've needed him. He's carried this club. He has carried yeah. it. Um, in so many ways, and I, you know, I love him so much for someone who we're the same age, you know, and it's weird to love someone the same age as you. Um, yeah. And it's, but without him, we have not worked for so long. And so to watch it work without Noble, 
Uh, I think Moyes, whoever scouted Socek, I know a couple of the agents involved in the deal that um, are looking to bring more Slavia Prague players to us as well, let me tell you. Yes, um, we might be getting one or two more. And um, everyone that's involved in that deal deserves a lot of credit because he is exactly what we've needed for a long, long time. Yeah, I think it's just this sort of workman-like attitude as well, isn't it? Maybe it's what you've, obviously, with Soufal as well, you know, that sort of... Oh, how good was he against Palace? How oh, good? Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh. Because I was, I was not, I was a bit sort of, you know, hesitant. Because obviously, you're thinking he's up against Zaha, Zaha, rather, and you think, almost said Zaha. God, there's a blast of the past. Um, Zaha. Don't bring um, him. Oh no. Yeah, God. Give me, give me flashbacks now. Oh God, that that Juventus game. It was, oh. it was so promising. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, Zaha. And I thought, oh no, because he's not the quickest guy, but he had him in his pocket. I think, you know. Yeah, I, I, think, I tell you what. A lot of a lot of fans will, will recognise this. Soufal is Nigel Winterburn. Yeah, That's good job. Yeah. You watched Winterburn when he came to us, past his best, obviously 37, 38. Mm. And for that one season on the left, I mean, the man was a terrier. And he wasn't the quickest, but he was always there. He wasn't the strongest, but he'd always win the ball. Uh, yeah. He was an obvious nutter, right? Yeah. And put all that together... And that's Soufal. You had his brilliant crossing in on that. I think he's a perfect player for us. He really is. And, I mean, five million in 2020. Oh. What do you get for five million? Ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. It's he's ridiculous. And I, and I think there's a, there's there's something to be said about buying players from from leagues which aren't necessarily the most glamorous leagues in the world. Um, we've tried Serie A, haven't we? With with Anderson and it's just to some degree Bundesliga with, with Haller as well though we spoke beforehand mm. you know there's no denying he's a great player um it's just some denying well some denying but I mean for, for me as you know you can see technically he's a good player he's just like yeah he's clearly a confident because I mean after that goal against Palace god he, he's you know he's like he was a dog on heat he was like running everywhere and you know where we'd where everyone was moaning that he didn't run he was like in defense at some yeah point. it's like well i mean as you say confidence is everything goals yeah. change everything i hope he does well he has my support but yeah. um uh as the german journalists i work with keep on telling me that you've gotta you've gotta build the team around him you've gotta get bodies around him and maybe Ben Rama in number 10 could be the difference for him because he's close to him. I think Bowen has done a lot of work to make Allaire better as well, getting around him. I don't know if Fornells is going to get much out of Allaire. I, mean, I like him, but I don't know what his role is, you know. But I think that you've got to try and make it work for Allaire. And when Antonio comes back, what I really want to see is Antonio, Allaire and Bowen as a three. Mm. He is looking forward now, Antonio, sure. And he was great at it. But if you can get that three together, or a two up front, Antonio and, and Alea, which we saw at Southampton away last, yeah. I can't recall when we've seen uh, it. Yeah, Southampton at home. Yeah. Get, get them two playing together, and we could be really good. They remind me of um, of um, when who's Jason Rob? Jason Roberts and someone for Wigan. I forget the other guy he was with now. Um, yeah, we'll come back. To you. They're two really good strikers. No, um, no. It will come to me later, yeah. I'm sure. But yeah. uh, it was definitely well, Jason Roberts was the lead striker of the two. Yeah. And they, were, they had two physical presence. It wasn't a little man, big man. It was two, almost like when we tried to do Ashton and Colton for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Newcastle away, I remember us doing that. And one of them scored, might have been Ashton. And I thought, yeah, this is like the Bruce Brothers up front. Yeah. You know what I mean, Dino, like, when he could run for 20 minutes. That I like the idea of the Bruce Brothers up front. I don't know why. There's no, I don't know why it would work, but I just like it. 
just getting the band back together, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah. Easy. Very good. <laughs> right. Okay. First question. 17 yeah. minutes in. Um, why are you a West Ham fan, Tom? Um, well, I'm, well, I'm from, uh, from Raynham, Hornchurch. I live in Rockford now. So I'm, I am the heart Hornchurch. You, oh, you really? Come and look at the Christmas lights. Osborne Road. Well. my house, mate. We're on about. I stay <laughs> in this room. Or I go to work or I stay in this room. Uh, well, I'm from the Heartlands, obviously. I mean, yeah. that, this is this is West Ham Landio, as you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and my dad is a West Ham fan. Um, and I'm, I'm very much fathered in to being a West Ham fan. First team I saw, 93. 3-2 win against Coventry. Tim Breaker scored the opening goal and uh, signed my programme on the day as well. Uh, so I always remember it. Um, and I just think there was no other choice. I don't remember there being another choice. Yeah, I remember there being some talk at some point that some of my mum's family were Chelsea fans or something like that in my youth. But I do remember that being shut down almost immediately. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I just, I just honestly don't think I had another choice. And I think a lot about what the club is. I don't know whether it happened to me because I'm a West Ham fan or I'm a West Ham fan because of it. But I feel like it encapsulates a lot of my personality mm. as in like that um, humor in the face of just utter nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. That, kind of, that kind of black gallows humor that, that all fans have of, of clubs that are good size, but why, you yeah. know, that, that's, that's who we are. So, so true, yeah. I think the fact that I could get there as well, look, I, I do a lot of work with, um, with supporter bases that are not in, in the UK. You know, support by like the Las Vegas Hammers and all that. You know, you know yeah. these little guys. It's not to say they aren't as much of a fan of their club, whatever their club is, as I am. Right? You can be a supporter of anybody and not be yeah. in the country. All of that. But I do think there is something special about being able to go. Yeah, and I've true. always lived twenty to thirty minutes away from the ground. Yeah. Um, and being able to go, and I had a season ticket for a lot of years, from about ten to eighteen. You know, uh, before I went to university and then you know, started working, so I couldn't go as often as I, was, as I would have liked. Um, you know, your friends are West Ham fans, your school friends are West Ham fans, your family are West Ham fans. I don't think there was a choice. No, yeah, doesn't sound like it. Very similar to me. Very similar to me. And you're right. I mean, it's uh, it, it's one. It's funny because we obviously we've interviewed loads of guys. We've, you know, obviously. John from Las Vegas. Uh, we've, we've done the uh, yeah, Longers and, and and Lena and all over the place from the Fresno Irons and yeah and you know the Indian Hammers and oh, Hong Kong. Ha- you know, incredible. all over the place. Incredible. It's incredible, and it's it's funny to think of this silly little club, and we are a silly little club in East London having this sort of this. Gl- and I think I was a bit naive to it to be honest when I first started. I mean, you know, I've worked at the club for twenty years, and I you know I sort of sit there and I sort of in my little box and don't don't talk you know just sit there and press bubbles and that's what i do um and i sort of was like oh my god we're actually you know and west ham clips who does is you know we are effing massive oh. <laughs> you know can and I it's like, say, by the way I'm, can i just say i don't know the people behind west ham clips yeah but i love yeah. it so much yeah whatever i achieve in my career will not be as good as what they do it's so funny and i've been trying to get i, I introduced andy brassel to it a couple of weeks ago and yeah. a few, everyone i know i'd like talk sport or anyone i'm like you've got to watch this you have to watch this it'll get taken yeah. down soon yeah you've got like two hours to watch it yeah. and it's just oh the like you know the basmati busquets and when like when when la is good he's like drogba and when he's bad he's a terrible yeah. player and 
all of it, all of it. I just it's think so it's good. so funny. I love it. Yeah. So funny, I love we it. We got, we got, I got clips to do a, a West to do a Hammers 11, um, but as clips, not as himself. Oh, amazing. And so he, and bless him, he was so sweet. He recorded it all, and obviously, I chopped it up and we did it like a bit like an interview. So I was, but me just on one, but you know, I literally had like you as a just a blank screen or, or his tweet. It was, it was really yeah, funny. Yeah. And he obviously had the snod father in, and because they all, all the players watch it as well, we know because oh, I was well, so it's that it's that good and that yeah. funny. Like it's, this is the thing with the era that we live in now is that if you are a creative person or yeah. creative people, you can get something out there and suddenly everyone's seen it. If it's yeah. good, uh, you know, yeah. copyright issues they're involved in. I know. Yes, yeah, but, indeed, uh, yeah. It's it's just so good and so clever. And um, whenever we win, it, uh, to be fair. Preferably when we lose, it's the first thing I look for because yeah. it's just so funny. It's sort of the equivalent of Arsenal fan TV, isn't it? When Arsenal lose, yeah. I mean, I know we have our own West Ham fan TV people and we all of that, and I don't encourage yeah. people doing it. And people, you know, some people like rap music. Do you know what I mean? Personally, yeah. I can't stand it, but I can understand why people like it. And with the Arsenal fan TV thing, I just think, you know, it's that that's your thing, fine, but. It's not for me. It's yeah. it, it isn't for me that the, the the filming yourself watching it and then you're having a bit of a breakdown. It just no. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny. Me. It's so ridiculous. Like they had um, after the uh, Burnley game, one of the interviews had like you know a quarter of a million views in like twelve hours. It's like good, I mean, good luck to them. You know, yeah, so fair play. Yeah. and they found a way to get out there and yeah. people like it. Great. Personally, yeah. I hate it. <laughs> and I don't know why. I don't know why it's so popular. But I mean, people watch Strictly Come Dancing as well. I don't get that either. They it might just be me left, just they sitting in this room on your own, hours a day. Yeah, <laughs> just not watching anything. Just literally watching the wall, watching just West Ham clips on continual loop. Nineties uh, West Ham videos. Yeah, exactly. With West Ham clips. That's all I've got. I, uh, I, I, I've been trying to get clips to do the to the announcement of the teams. We've. <laughs> I thought that'd be hilarious. Like, no, you know, there's no one there in the grounds at the moment. It'd be so funny if clips did it. And people really... would love it. I think people would love it. When people get back in, that should be yeah. the treat. Oh, how funny. Yeah. That'd be really yeah. good. But yeah. No, but it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, as you said, and, and you know, very, it's, oh, I just love it. It's, it's the same thing. As soon as it comes out, we tweet it around all of our, like, the production team, because we know it's going to be taken down very, very quickly. Yeah. And uh, now he's a lovely bloke. He's a, he's a lovely guy, Clips. Um, good. when he, when he does, we, we're going to get him on properly. He's going to be the, probably the first person we've had on to do two 11s, because when he sort of reveals him, it'd be like the Mars singer. Um, you know, <laughs> he's going to come on <laughs> you know, a or Exactly. Yeah. He's going to do a proper 11. So, uh, but no, he's top man. Um, right. Okay. Let's talk about your 11, actually, Tom. Um, so, obviously, yeah. everything we've had on the, the channel, I said, oh, it must be 250 now. I've lost count, to be honest. Um, we we asked them to to produce a, an 11. So, uh, you know, uh, but the only rule is um, they have to be alive to see them play. And lucky I said this beforehand because you, you picked 11, 10 and forgot you had to switch sort of on in. Yes. I mean, I, I, did, I did. I've seen a few episodes and. Uh, the thing is, Razor did is so fast, I, I didn't notice they were all players that he must have played with or known. He's plugged his book, so he was ready, he was off now. You know? I love him, I love it. He didn't make my 11, sadly. Sorry, Razor. Oh. But uh, I didn't notice everyone had to be someone you'd seen. But I did, that's what, that is what I did, yeah. except one. But he's not in. I was just going to put Bobby Moore in. 
because it felt like the thing to do as a cultural West Ham fan. Yeah. You know, when you go around the world, that's pretty much the first thing people say to you. Bobby I mean, Moore. A lot of people yeah. listening, watching would have known that as well. There are people, oh, you're a West Ham fan. Oh, Bobby Moore. Like, yeah. Oh, Gary yeah. Breen. What? Yeah, exactly. so he's not going in because I'm relatively young. Yes, well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, that, that, and that's why we put that in because otherwise, I think everyone would have just done sort of West Ham folklore eleven. It would have been Phil Park, Bobby Moore, Billy Bond, yeah. Trevor Brookin. You know, they've all got the stadium stands named after him. Um, but I never saw him play like you, like you Tom. I mean, I mean, I started watching him ninety two, ninety three, so the season before. Um, so yeah, so from then on was my was my period. Um, suffered, uh, so to speak, you've yes. suffered. We have suffered. We, I mean, we've we yeah, exactly. I think. Uh, well, funny enough, we're talking about you know you're obviously you're you know you're you're, you're become uh got the, the baby in in April, in, in April rather. Um, we were talking the other day. My daughter was due on the playoff final against Blackpool on the actual oh, day. Oh, no. did you win? Of course, I had a really good ticket. Um, I was working at the. I was doing uh, it was a, I had the best gig ever. I was um, because <laughs> they wanted me to be to wear the. The hammerhead or the bubble, no, the bubbles costume. Bubbles the bear costume, but I hadn't. But you had to get a full CB. You had to get all your your your, you know, your records yeah, and stuff. Children, and it was like they told me the day before, and I was like, I would pass them obviously, but I didn't have time, so I was chaperoning yeah, them around. It was brilliant, and then my seat was like front row of like where um, Vaste scored, like that goal. Oh, really? so, yeah, so I had like a beer in one hand and a, my phone in my other hand on like you know full volume and literally three o'clock my phone rang and i was like oh my god you're joking me but it was like a ppi call it was really like it was something oh. like you know, it was almost like written in the it crowd or something like that it was that sort of like comical because like everyone was like oh, is, is she going to labor go. yeah amazing no, no, do you no. know that day i uh i was working at lbc that morning i used to host the um the news program saturday morning which was like mm-hmm. you're on from like 5 a.m to midday and kickoff was at three oh. And so I'd worked um, the day before and I was working that morning, got off. I think it'll be meant to be until one, but I got out at 12. Someone done me a favor, whatever. Yeah. Uh, met a friend at Liverpool Street, sank like nine strongbows as quick as possible. Yeah. Uh, and then we got in and I mean, the game was obviously just the most nerve. I mean, they outplayed us Blackpool in yeah. time, as you know. <laughs> and when Vaste scored, I still don't, I next, the next day, someone said, what about when he took his shirt off? And I was like, did he? Because <laughs> when we scored, I jumped up, but then did that really embarrassing thing when you tumble down the seats. Oh, no. And so I tumbled down four or five seats, broke my glasses, and landed sort of face down. And people are obviously jumping up and down. I'm trying to get up to celebrate. <laughs> um, I saw the goal, and then I don't remember anything else until we kicked off again, maybe three minutes later, because the celebration was so wild. So it didn't, I didn't even know that he'd taken his shirt off. God bless him. Oh dear, that was a fun day. And obviously, yeah. I think then I think the day that that evening, I think Mark Noble went for his stag do in Vegas. Oh, is that right? Was it good for yourself? It was all right. It was all right. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, flight was a bit bumpy. Was bubble. Yeah, in the bubble costume, just me, Bubbles the bear, sort of sat. I got an aisle seat, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> couldn't stretch out much. But yeah, sort of squeezed myself into the suit. But yeah, <laughs> no, it was very good. Um, no, yeah, it's uh it was one of those one of those great days, wasn't it? It was um you know, and that's the thing. I think as you said, as West Ham fan, you say it's all it breeds your own personality. And I think it does. It's sort of, you know, I think like my daughter, she's eight, she's sort of a West Ham well, she, well more so with the late obviously the women's football, she's got it really into that. So, you know, she's like, Oh, West Ham never seem to win all the time, Daddy, do they? And I was like, No, they don't. 
They don't. No. That's the same as life. You don't get everything you want every every. But when you do get what you want, make sure you look after it. Yes, I mean, look, I mean we talk about Arsenal fan TV. Look at them fans who are not yeah. using. And I'm happy to have the discussion about some of the the over the top responses, which I'm just as guilty of when yeah. we look at games or are rubbish. Yep. Yeah. You know, compared to some of these fans who, oh, we're seventh and we're going to sack the manager because it's awful. And you think, how do you get through your life? I know. How do you get? I, know. You get I mean, it, life is basically 90% disappointment, and then the other 10% is worse. Okay, so you know, you've got to deal with it, guys. Every now and then, you're not going to beat Southampton at home, all right? No, exactly, exactly. And that's that's why I jokingly said to someone yesterday, Oh, look at the league tables, oh, we're seventh, Moy's out. And I went, What? 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 I was like, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. But that's the yeah. thing with West Ham fans, we're always waiting for the speed bump. We know yeah. the speed bump's happening, we know we're going to get the Burnley 3 0 at home defeat, yeah. we know that's coming, and because of that, we're always not enjoying the fact that we're playing all right you, you know so it's yeah, like that, yeah. that, that that tottenham game for example you know we said you know lanzini scored what an amazing game that was just from a football perspective it's brilliant that goal was amazing it'll go down in west Ham folklore history literally within a blink of an eye you get someone on twitter say oh we shouldn't have been three nil down after 15 minutes and Moyes didn't change it until 70 yeah. minutes who cares Are you follow me on twitter how did you know what i said yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. I'll retweet. <laughs> what is this man on about? You yeah, know, it's true. But it's so true, though, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah we, we won. I mean, but... The thing is with us, though, is that I have, I, if I wasn't a West Ham fan, I would have sympathy for West Ham fans because of yeah. obviously the move and all that sort of stuff. And, mm. you know, I have always been pretty pro the move. I think yeah. not going to that stadium would have been dumb. Yeah. Uh, I'd like it to have been better. I'd like the stadium to be better and all of that. And I'm yeah. happy about sure. that until the cows come home but not yeah. moving i think would have been stupid yeah because okay. the opportunity was there i mean i'd like us to have been involved in the ground floor obviously not our fault we weren't um but before that thing was built we should have been involved and there should have been a better deal and all of that uh but i was always pretty pro move however i know a lot of people that were i know some that have not been and will not go i'm sure you do as well and, and yeah. people were uh, people watching will as well and that's their prerogative of course but i think that we are getting now to the point where the whole sold the dream thing, which I, I find a bit unpalatable, sold the dream and it's all been a lie. You know, if you were sold the dream, then you were the one dreaming. Okay. Yeah. I think that I would have liked it to have been better and potentially yeah. it could be better, yeah. but um, we were never going to be in the Champions League. And if you fell for, we're going to be in the Champions League, I've got a bridge to sell you, you know? Yeah. It's true. It's, it's true, and, and I think oh, I have incredible sympathy because I also think if we'd have stayed and rebuilt the East End like everyone else, we'd have been happy. But they would have been happy. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. We would have been lost behind. You see some of the stadiums that are being built now. Um, you know, there's there's no denying it. I mean, I, obviously, I'm there every game, uh, and even during lockdown, obviously, I'm, I'm still at every game. There's no denying it's 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 the this the infrastructure of it all i mean you know to be fair we would never have been able to social distance at upton park no no <laughs> no way it's the tightest ground in the world you could only take one train to get there um if that lines down you have that horrible trudge down barking road towards yeah. the parking station um you know it was loads of different you know it's 
car park, yeah, they couldn't park your cars or all the residents and stuff. Um, and it was falling apart. It was falling apart, bless her. You know, and it's like I think people forget. I think you know if you go to, I went to a Bayern Munich game last year sometime. Yeah, I've been there. It's brilliant. And you get off the train and you suddenly feel like oh, I'm on some industrial estate here, sort yeah. of thing. And you're walking like, from the station and it's sort of like you're going through the mud and all that. It isn't like going up Green Street. It isn't, no. you know, now. But I think that there's a lot of things that have improved. I like what they've done on the outside. I like all the kind yeah. of like concession stands being on the island and all that. You know, yeah. I'm not 100% on board with everything, but I think that yeah. people there are working hard to try and make it a better experience. And yeah. I mean, obviously none of us have seen it with fans in it now that it's squared off at the ends. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. You know, I think there's a, a you've got to find a way to get the sides a bit closer. I understand that, but and obviously the tarpaulin bits. Where, I mean, I sit in the media seats a lot. I try and go with my friends and family, but I also do sit in the media seats, and um, that is a terrible position to watch football from. I'm happy to put that to say that, but well, I mean, you know, if you turn exactly. back from where your seats are, so there's a big white box at the top. That's where I sit, and right. um, and I have a lovely view. <laughs> If he's lovely because I'm, I'm I mean, that's the thing, it's not a case of I can't see it, I can see I know it. What you mean. I just don't feel involved, you no. know. Maybe yes, it's you know, yeah. the media bit, you know, I'm not cheering the goals, I'm at work, you know. Yeah, but um, I, I understand fully why some people hate it, yeah, I understand yeah, totally. why some people don't want to go. I am broadly still very much on board, and I think that maybe there could be a little bit more. I don't know if consultation is the right word, but what would make you happy, fans? Yeah. You know, about it all, which is not easy. I'm not saying I don't want to blame anybody, you know, because <laughs> again, it would have been stupid not to go, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But good to get out and I hope it gets better. We should all, I think everyone should just blame Spurs in this. Both <laughs> yeah. Spurs and Orient, because they were the ones, weren't they? Because, like, you know, they were the ones who had to go th- sort of become we had to become tenants, really. Do you, everyone forgets yeah. about that. You know, we we were, we were going to be the owners, basically. Well, um, I do think, you know, I don't want to be all Mystic Meg here, but I do think at some point, considering the financial situation, the losses, uh, and the issue yeah. of the last year or so as well, is that at some point they should sign it over to West Ham and West Ham yeah. give a portion of the profit, any profit made, back to the central government. Yeah. You know, that seems like a good deal all round. Uh, yeah. And of course, it's... It's a lot more complicated than those nine words I just said, of course, but yeah, it's done, I think it makes a lot of sense that they would hand it over to West Ham to run and yeah. profit would be given back as opposed to the situation they're in now. West Ham could do more of what they might want to do with it if they can afford to do it again. A lot more complications than just saying it as simply as that. But, but that makes a lot of sense to me. And the other thing as well is that you mentioned the Orient thing. I never got why people were so up in arms about the concept of a ground share. I don't get it. We are not rivals with Leighton Orient. No. We are never going to be rivals with Leighton Orient. I hope Leighton Orient do well. And I'm happy for Leighton Orient fans to consider that to be condescending. It is. I just go and see them quite often. And there's no reason why we can't have it one Saturday, they can't have it the next Saturday. It makes a lot yeah. of sense to me. It happens all over the world. It happens in all different sports. Mm. It doesn't make it any less our home. I would suggest that, I don't know, Coldplay doing a gig there makes it less our home than another football team playing yeah. there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. bring Orient yeah. on board, bring another team on board. We should have rugby, we should have the NFL, we should have another football team. And as long as we have our games and we want our games, yeah, brilliant. Let's get yeah. that you doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think it's a, it's a, 
you know, it's a, it's a, particularly over the, the lockdown, it, it's, you know, it's just been just there gathering dust, isn't it? Because it's, it's, it's horrible. But uh, yeah. anyway, who's in golf year 11? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That was it. I, I didn't say I've got to ask. You can tell. I yeah. normally have to move off West Ham after about two minutes. Yeah, uh, so you, so you haven't got. Yeah, you got no one bugging you. You haven't got no editor. You say, "Oh, move on, move on, Tom." Um, keepers wise, I've loved a lot of our keepers. Uh, yeah. I love Shaka. Uh, I spoke to Shaka maybe two or three weeks ago. Everyone in that FA Cup team, as I said to him, I, I just adore them. I adore them all. Incredible faces when I see any of them. That I just love them. Makes a very awkward conversation, but I couldn't pick anybody other than Ludek Wiklosko. I just yeah. couldn't. He is everything to me that a West Ham goalkeeper should be. First of all, ludicrous name. Yeah, like that's the first most important thing. Um, secondly, a giant of a man. You know, a huge, huge uh, goalkeeper made some incredible saves. Um, he was the goalkeeper through the golden era of me supporting West Ham as well, from like my first game through yeah. to like when I realised actually we're never going to win the league, are we? Uh, and of course, Man United at home. I mean, the yeah. performance to stop Man United winning the league in '95, which has gone down in history as one of the most legendary goalkeeping performances in Premier League history, maybe English football history. Um, you know, he was just so good that day. The late save from Andy Cole, all of that. And also, it is the best chart in football. It is yeah. the single best chart. And at all of the major uh, junctions of my life, weddings, christenings, graduation, you know, everything, that song has come out. It was the last song sung by everyone at my wedding. Uh, it was the last, every, when I go to other people's weddings and I'm there, it just happens. Uh, my friend's wife uh, and I tend to knock this out around about 2 a.m. at every party we go to. And then it can just keep rolling. So you can go from yeah. any party, when there were parties, remember those, I to remember. being home and you can still do it. So yeah. all of that together uh, has to be Ludo. I just, I love him. And, um, you know, he had to be my number one. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. And it, that, that song, it, it, the fact that we still sing it, you know, at the grounds as well, away games, when we had away games, um, it's just, yeah, it's funny. But as, as when, we, when we had um, when we had Tony Gale on, he, he was talking about Ludo, and he was talking about the song. He, went, he says, and he, 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 he said, and you know what, Russ? He doesn't live near Moscow. Yeah, I know. It's we know. We know, we know Tony. We know, mate. Thing, right? it's, not, it's literally nowhere near. No. But it works in the song. It does. He said, "Yeah." And he said, "To be fair, it would it doesn't wouldn't work lyrically so well if his my name is Ludic McCluskey. I come from near Prague." And I, yeah, <laughs> you're right, Tone. You're right, mate. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, Ludo, top man, top top man. And he was just like, and I remember, you know, he was like the first, it, it, same as me. He was always in goal for us. He, he for was like, just yeah. Yeah. I mean, what did he played three fifty games for us, something like that. And something he was three fifty. I think he about. I think he had like one hundred and fifty clean sheets or something ridiculous. Um, and still, for some reason, I still think of him as Loopy Ludo because my granddad used to call him Loopy Ludo because he he did like a flap once in a while. But... Yes, for a man of maybe six six, he wasn't the yeah. best at crosses. No, but... no, he I went know. for everything. I think because he went for everything. Very similar to a lot of modern day keepers when they when they sort of misjudge things. He went for everything. He wanted to get every ball, and so yeah. naturally you would flap a little bit. It's just the way it was, man. 
So it was right. Okay, we put Ludo in goal. Um, let's go. Let's go left back. Who should we have on the left? Should we play four four two? Tom, we playing four four two. I've actually gone. What are we playing for a uh, three five two? Oh, Moisey. I've gone Moisey. I went Moisey. <laughs> um, and my left wing back. This is terrible. This, but I, I was really fudged this formation to try and make it work. I'm putting Carlos Tevez left wing back. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't care who thinks that's stupid uh, because, firstly, uh, I think he could play left wing back and be the best left wing back in the history of the club. Because um, he was, ju- I mean, just, I just love, I love the fact we had Carlos Tevez. It was everything wrong and right about West Ham simultaneously. Yeah. I remember being in a pub in central London when a friend of mine who hates football hates it. Um, he likes Formula One, which means he doesn't like sport, he likes transport. And he brought me the paper over at the standard, and he was like, Do you know you bought Carlos Tevez? And I was like, You know nothing about football, do you? There's no way we're going to. We've bought Carlos Tevez. Yeah. And the whole thing, the picture of him and Padre and Mascherano. And um, yeah, I, I couldn't work him in my formation anywhere else, but I felt like he had to be in there because he was so rubbish for us. Yeah. For, so long. I was at the Watford game when he should have scored. And yeah. as I recall it, he had one kid off the line and like he was running around. His effort was phenomenal, but he didn't know what was going on. Proper Tasmanian devil. Yeah. And then I was um I was in a pub somewhere in Brighton where I was living when he when we played Tottenham. And uh that free kick, which I mean, just said I was the only West Ham fan in there, and I just yeah. went. Uh, obviously we went on to lose and the whole night went downhill but incredible I was in another pub in Brighton in the middle of someone else's like birthday party and I'd somehow got in and I was watching the Blackburn game when of course yeah. he scored the penalty and he cleared it off the line when it wasn't a goal yeah. and uh, when he came into form for that nine games it just felt like we were yeah. never going to lose yeah. we were never going to lose and also the story of the Sheffield United thing you know the Henry Winter in court you know I'm not yeah. Henry this, but I do want him at some point, you know, when he said that he thought Carlos Tevez was worth X amount of points to us and that's why we stayed up and it affecting our transfer budget for years and years and all of that and the money we have to pay in compensation, you know, that 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 is a folklore story. You know, yeah. I want yeah. to like Sheffield United. I really do. Because Chris Wilder seems great. Yeah. And they're doing it with like, who are these players? David McGoldrick is somehow a Premier League player. You know, all of this. Yeah. I want to like him. I just can't. No, I just can't I can't either. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think that there's such a folklore about it. And the goal at Old Trafford, you know, it didn't keep oh, us yeah. up. Um, mm-hmm. Sheffield United losing against Wigan is what kept us up. Exactly. Today. So, you know, I'd, li- I'd like to clarify that when people bring it up. But Carlos, can't believe we had him. I wish we had him for longer. And I'd even have him back now. What is he, 39? I'd have him back now. Yeah, I mean, he did say in an interview the other day, or maybe last month sometime, that the only European club to play for again would be West Ham. Yes. Like, okay. To be fair, though, he did burn his bridges everywhere else. He so did, yeah. He went, yeah. He went back to Man United, oh, because you played for City, and vice versa. But, I mean, he's uh, it's funny. I interviewed a guy the other day, and he's writing a book. Well, he's, he's written a book. It's published in, in January about that season. Because oh. uh, he's just like, it's like, everyone remembers the, the Carlos at the beginning and Carlos at the end, but no one sort of talks about that season. It's a crazy season, oh. that whole season. Yeah, uh, Curbs coming in, the seven yeah. losses in a row, the nine to Man United, all yeah. of it. 
I mean, so much of it, the year after the cup final, everything. Yeah. It was an incredible, it was, it was Harchester United. Yes, That's it was a proper dream team, yeah. yeah. Proper dream team. Right, okay, we'll put Carlos left wing back. I like this already, Tom. Um, right, let, let's let's go let's go right wing back then. Who's have in the right wing back position? My right wing back is Steve Lomas. Steve Lomas. Who uh, we work with now. Uh, he's one of our one of our co-commentators. I've done lots of shows with Steve uh, over the last few years. Uh, and he's such a brilliant guy. Yeah. But he is exactly as you'd imagine Steve Lomas to be, for those that haven't met Steve. He is so angry. Uh, very funny. He really makes me laugh, but he's very, very angry. And what I loved about Steve, I like him personally, obviously, but that's not why I put him in. I'm not, not putting people that I've met. Yeah. I put him in because he was captain of West Ham for, what, seven or eight years, which yeah. is a phenomenal achievement, like for a long, long time. A real leader, a real vocal leader, incredibly versatile player, a man who made central midfield work, right back work, right wing back work, and, you know, you look at the goal he scored against Man U, the header where he takes his shirt off and shows himself to be the pastiest man in the world. <laughs> you know, everything I love about a player, I think he made the top level on sheer personality and sheer will and sheer, you know, am I... The, I don't think Steve Lomas could do five kick-ups. Sorry, Steve. But I don't think he could. And yet he was still, I think, uh, one of our most important players in, in kind of modern history. Yeah. Um, and even took an elbow in the face in the FA Cup against Arsenal and just shook it off and pressed on. Do you know what I mean? A proper, you know, I, I, don't, I don't mean, that, you know, it, this is a bit of a strange term these days, but he's an hard man, right? He was a yeah. proper yeah. hard man in the sense that he'd be the first man involved in a ruck, he'd be the first man to defend you, and if someone punched him in the face, he would keep on walking, and I, and I love that about him. No, I agree. I know exactly what you mean. And we'd like—I'd like to talk to Steve as well one day because we had when we had Razor on. Razor spoke about um, it because obviously they had a Christmas party in Romford, didn't they? Yes, and, I, I watched this the other day. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, and uh, he, he didn't explicitly say he he took one for the team for Steve Lomas, but he uh, he basically said it. So yes. yeah, and he was yeah. he, what I liked about about Lomi was he was just like one of these guys who was just. You know, we we get we've got more of them now in in the team under Moisey. You wouldn't, you know, when Steve Lomas is in the in the team, you know, seven out of ten, seven out of ten, no worries yeah, as a base. See, it's so important, and I think it's I don't. It's not just West Ham fans because yeah. a lot of fans want hundred percent commitment. I get that, but at a club like ours, if you give a hundred percent every time you're out there, yeah. you're right by us. Yeah, you know, you can have a bad game. It's like Antonio now. He might have a bad game. He might not be out trappable sometimes. All of that. But I know when he comes off, he is going to have given everything. Yeah. And that is pretty much what I want. Quality, sure. But this is the main thing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. All right, we'll put Lamey in. Right, let's go centre-half. Who's your first centre-half then? So I'm going to have an actual centre-half. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, Alvin, Alvin Martin, uh, yeah. my main centre-half. Um when I first, first started watching West Ham, same as you, 92, 93 era, he was obviously on the downslope. Uh, yeah. And he injured a lot during that period as well. But I remember, it's just a bit personal. I mean, I know him, again, I'm not just doing people I know, but I do know him now. And we've, we had a few, we've done a few games together. We've had a few sort of chats and that. And he's just, again, such a lovely person. Mm -hmm. So nice. And he's a brilliant analyst as well. Like, he really gets the game. And I love hearing him talk about the game. But 
per, my personal memory of Alvin when he was playing was the 95 season when he got sent off against Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it was Mark Bright who was trying to run past him on the halfway line. And it's the halfway line and Alvin was like, oh no. Yeah. I yeah, there is no he's done me. And we were for some reason really high up the field, which I don't remember us ever being in that era. <laughs> and he sort of like I don't think he tried to foul him, but he was sort of falling and he was sort of blocking him and he was trying to be like, it's 85, I'll get away with this. Yeah. Um and he got sent off. And then I think Tim Brake got sent off later with that nine men and we lost 2-0. But I the the reason it was special to me because it was Monday night football and I was going to Cubs at the time at St. John's in uh, Hornchurch, yeah. uh Hornchurch Raynham area. And um it was the first time that I was gonna go, and my dad was like, Do you wanna do you wanna go Cubs tonight or do you wanna watch West Ham? And I was like, I'd rather stay in and watch West Ham if that's <laughs> the first time I made the choice between doing a thing or watching the Amers. And I remember yeah. staying to watch it and post-game thinking, I should have got the Cubs. Should have got that the Cubs, yeah. Just a, it was a, just the first time I remember it being a total disaster. He's obviously a legendary character. I mm. did see him play, uh, and he is he's a brilliant analyst and a real good guy. And, of course, the bit where he hugged David at Stanford Bridge. You know, find me someone who's got kids or, in fact, got a parent who didn't, you know, just bore their eyes out to that. I love the way David fell to his knees at full time. I, I wasn't lucky enough to be there, but, you know, a lot of my colleagues were, and he was, and Al was working for TalkSport that day. Yeah. And, and everyone, everybody, by the way, has got nothing but great things to say about Alvin. I've never had anybody say anything, even minuscule negative about Alvin. And everyone was just so touched by it. It was brilliant. Yeah, so he's probably yeah gotta be, gotta be Mr. Mr. Marson. Got to be indeed. You're right. That's all. That was sort of that was synonymous, wasn't it? It was like a, a lovely sort of. Again, these sort of we we have these sort of images in West Ham folklore history, which will be played and played many many years to go. Come and that sort of Chelsea game, that hug, that's going to be one of those things and those compilations, isn't it? You know, yeah, that's going to be beautiful. Right. Okay. Alvin's in. Uh, who, who's next? Who's next in centre back? Uh, one of my other centre backs is the Terminator, Julian Dix. Has to be in my team. My probably favourite player of all time. Uh, because, I mean, I just loved him. I loved him so much. First of all, I think most important to say, what a footballer. What a left foot. One of the best left foots on a player that I have seen. And I, I mean, all the way to the very top. The very top talents that anyone can think of for Champions League teams. All of that. Julian's left foot was up there with them. The way he could ping a ball 70 yards, one side to the other, to someone's feet was phenomenal. Um, obviously, his personality on field being, you know, the Terminator for very good reason. Some of the tackles were exceptional. You know, when the uh, whenever anything broke out on the field, he'd be the first man running over there to get involved. And, I mean, a few personal memories, really, of Julian being, I was at the Tottenham game, 97, when we just bought Hartson and Kitson, and he was our top scorer that season. Bangs that header in from the corner. The penalty, obviously, against Ian Walker that day, which was banged in. The penalty that season as well against Man U. Another game I was at, we had a season ticket that year when he blasts it past Schmeichel and then tried to blast him out again. Of course, he missed it the second one. It didn't matter. The fact, I mean, the 95 kit, best kit of all time, but the fact he ripped the terrible collar off oh, every yeah. game. Like, literally just ripped, like, I don't know if it was scissors or he did it with his hands. I don't know. But um, 
you know, everything about Julian and you know, even the legendary stories of when he used to like, you know, the, the row with Bonzo, the legendary row, the, you know, the punch up they had after he got sent off against was it Darby. Yeah. Uh, all of that. What a figure, what a character, what a shame he got injured. And, um, you know, the valiant way he came back as well and tried to get a few more games out of himself before he gave up on it. The yeah. fact that he was two stone overweight most of his career, you know, <laughs> the fact he went to Liverpool and came back when he came back with a skinhead, everything. Everything about Julian Diggs, I just love him. And, um, yeah, and when he came back with Slav as well for the, for the last season, you know, he, he keeps having moments where he turns up back in our lives. And I hope there's yeah. yeah, me too, me too. Uh, and obviously, you know, he's, he hasn't got a job at the moment as well. So who knows? Who knows? I, I, there's they're, they're still, because still, he, I mean, he, he was West Ham women's coach, wasn't he, for a while? Yeah. And, and there's, a, there's a job going there, isn't there, at the moment? So nothing I'm going to do. people that so many of our generation of fans hold in such high regard and high esteem that I'm happy to make, I'm happy for us to make something work for Julian. Yeah. I'm happy for us to make something work in some way, whether it's ambassadorial, whether it is coaching one of the teams, whatever he wants to do. If he wants a job at West Ham, he's one of those people that I think I love to see. I want him to be involved and you know i don't know what he's like as a coach i don't know you know that much about him as a as a, as a backroom member of staff but i do know that he's someone that i think we should always look after because he, he's so special to so many of us and i just think he's just one of those guys who's you know there's certain guys who are going to be legendary legends throughout the you know the, the years and he sort of transcended a few different generations as because he came back as well didn't he so you know a lot of people remember his first stint and then obviously went to liverpool came back for his second stint so there's like two or three waves of fans who remember him as a player yeah people like bobby moore was, was like one era really um so to speak um what an era that was but obviously you know less less people have seen him play because obviously unfortunately that, that generation's going and going away so yeah not indeed, but yeah, with someone like Julian, as you see, he transcends a uh, many, and it's even like we've interviewed guys like you know Mark Ward, and Mark Ward, he he's eleven was basically the eighty five eighty six team bar yeah. Julian Dix at left back because he was saying if we had Julian at left back, we'd have won the league. It wouldn't be if, but how many points we'd have won the league by? And yeah. um, no disrespect to Georgie Paris or or, or, or Steve, um, but he was like you know Julian would have been the the final piece of the pie that we never really had that sort of top class left and he was a top class left back you know he galvanized a team from left back which wasn't the yeah. most you know you can't necessarily see well i, I suppose i was gonna say aaron cresswell galvanized but he's playing quite well at the moment but you know what i mean when it's a julian tackle not, it's, he's not in the dicks mold he's a no, different no, 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 player no. and i like cresswell a lot actually but he's not julian dicks he's not going to be that guy and no. that 96 7 season everyone says hartson and kitson obviously because they made such a big impact when they came in the goals they scored but we stayed up because of Julian. We stayed up because Julian was fit and he led that team. He was our top scorer by February. I think he had nine goals at that point. I don't know where oh, he finished yeah. the season. Maybe Kitson took over by the end. But we were in the race to stay up still because of Julian Dix. And yeah. um, I think we stayed up because of him. And, uh, yeah, he made that kit work, didn't he? That's the yeah. important thing. There must have been so many... Savage it. Yeah, there must have been so many, like, pissed-off parents. <laughs> You know, they they bought their son this or daughters this shirt, and it's been ripped because Julian does yeah. it. It's like, oh, but the club I, shop I was firmly told not to, and I'm pleased I didn't because I found that shirt the other day Brilliant. in uh, in our garage, and it still sort of fits me. Not to wear yeah. in public. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know? Brilliant. 
That's brilliant, man. Right, okay. Julian's in. Uh, Albert's in. One more centre back. Then who is who's the third centre back? Then? It's tough actually because this is where I was going to put in a legend, uh, but I, I want to put people in that I uh, that I saw, and I'm going to put Danny Gabidon in my team. Yeah, because uh, I think Anton and Gabidon. It could have been either of those, and I was going to pick one or the other, but I think that they were such a good pairing. And they were such a, a cultured pairing. Like Gabidon read the game brilliant. He read the game brilliantly. Yeah. It was a brilliant recovery tackler as well. I think that they covered for each other's weaknesses perfectly. And there was that little run to the cup final. And I love that cup final team, as we all do, where I think that there were suggestions that we could maybe put Collins in, you know, because yeah. he would be a better centre half than both of them. But they worked together so well that we ended up playing James Collins right back at yeah. times. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. But it somehow worked, you know. Um, and I think that that pairing was so good. And I think Gabidon was the lead defender in that pair. I think he was a good footballer. I think one of the key reasons the next season went so pear-shaped because of, it, because of his injuries. I think if he could have avoided injuries, he'd have been a full-on legend at the club. I oh, think he'd be doing later in his career what Angelo Ogbonna is doing for us now. Because Ogbonna was the other man I was thinking about for this position. I think you can see over the time that Ogbonna has been at West Ham, he has grown into it. And I think we were robbed of that for Gabidon because of the injuries that he had. Mm. But I think he, he, he was, uh, I don't think he was the leader of def defence. Again, I think the pairing worked so well mm. that they just knew each other's game so well because they were intelligent footballers. And, uh, and you know, that cup final team is just so special to me and, and so many of us. And I think... He had to be in there. And again, I hate doing this because I'm sounding like Ian Abrahams at this point, but he is my mate and he's great. And he's a great analyst and I had to put him in because I'm going to speak to him. Um, with him so. There you are, mate. You're in now, aren't you? All right? Yeah, he's in. And that one thing that's been great out of, uh, you know, for the first lockdown was was Gabsy's um, DJ sets on Instagram from his, um, <laughs> from his, from his loft. Which he hasn't he's done this for he's a while. A nice guy. And he's, he actually... You know, my first thing I do for a living is is, is uh, obviously covering the football, and I'm always assessing the analysts and the commentators. And his reading of the game is sure. exceptional. It is mm. exceptional, and uh, you know, I think that when you work with people and you and I'm like, you know, I'm a fan of the game. I'm an enthusiast yeah. about the game. I see the game. You know, a lot of commentators these days are all about their research, and I'll do the research. But I see football more as jazz than maths. Right? That's how I see it. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Uh, Gabidon, I think, sees it from a mathematical standpoint. And he'll tell you, you know, the amount of times you watch analysis and the analyst will go, look at that technique. And I go, well, I don't know what the technique is. And he'll tell you where the foot is. He'll tell you what he's watching. He'll tell you where the guys are standing. He'll tell you about spatial awareness. And I really admire that. And you can see that when you, like, retro look at the way he played. He just read it and he knew where it was going to be. And... Um, I think he probably one of the best centre halves of the era that I have watched. To be yeah. fair, it's not a strong group. Uh, I'm putting him in. Yeah, and I just think yeah, he just he's often forgot forgotten a little bit over over um, over Ginge because of the the aura that was Ginge. You know, yeah. he's, he's hey, become, I think yeah. if we'd have got more years out of him, it'd have been great for him. He went back to he went to Palace and it didn't work out for him. You could tell the knees gone. You can tell you the yeah. body's gone. But there's a reason that in the peak bit of West Ham when they were there together, Gabbardin got the nod and it wasn't Ginge, even though another one that could have easily been in. Because oh, easily. Yeah. yeah, 
sounds great. All right, we'll put Gabs in. I like it. So, I love it. Yeah. Not to sound too Ian Abraham, but he, <laughs> Although the other day, honestly, the other day, it's funny. He, he had the right ump coming out of the game the other day, the Man United game. Oh, he had the right ump. Because it was like, we've only got, obviously, you know, the, so the way the press group, obviously, you know, we've only got that one lift, haven't we, which goes all the way down. Oh, I've seen about three hours of that lift. That 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 lift is so slow, <laughs> and he was like, "I need to get so I need to get to the pit side." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and even Sam and Sam my face. Hey, Ian, calm down. Oh, yeah. but that one's social distancing. They are, they are, they are. Ian, don't worry, man. Don't worry. Yeah. You can have four in the He's yeah? a hardworking man. He's a hardworking man. He's a very hardworking man. Anyway, so we put Gabs in uh, midfield three. Then uh, who's your first one? My first one uh, is John Monker. Oh, John Monker again, another player. You can see a kind of theme in my players yep. is they have a combination of tenacity and technical ability. Yeah, and John Monker uh, was. The, I mean, him and Bishop midfield was brilliant. It was a brilliant pairing. It was. It was obviously lacked uh, the defensive midfielder behind John Monker and Ian Bishop would have made that a brilliant trio. But what I love about John Monker, there's two eras of John. Firstly, when he came in and he lifted the technical ability in midfield from what was before with like Martin Allen and, and Peter Butler and those sorts of players. And I remember him, I can't recall the game, but I remember him doing something. It's the first time I ever saw it. And I, you don't see it much now either. He took a corner for us on the right-hand side with his left foot. And he took a corner for us on the left-hand side with his right foot. He just did it with both feet. Yeah. And I know that sounds mad, but you see players now, like you see players like Danilo, who is a £60 million pound fullback. He won't use his left foot. He refuses to use it. John Moncur was taking corners with both feet. And at the time, you know, I was about 10 or something, maybe younger. And you're watching him thinking, that's amazing. Like he's yeah. completely, I don't know what the, the foot version of dexterity is, but he had it. And yeah. he was with both feet and he was comfortable on both feet i remember both feet and i remember thinking that's amazing that you know and you couple that with what a good creative player he was what a great energy he had and then you couple that with the longevity and the bookings yeah you know the off the bench to get bookings era was so funny and at the time uh me and my dad had a season ticket in the east stand uh we were on the right hand side you know near the away fans that bit yeah. where we were standing up such a great time you know, yeah. 99, 2000, a little era. And you just, there was some blokes behind us. I never knew their names, but they were so funny. I remember them because the guy behind used to not be able to say Harry Redknapp. <laughs> he would always call them Harry Red Slap Scrapper Army. And I still say that now, Harry Red Slap Scrapper Army. It was always funny. But when he come on, everyone would be like, oh, when's the booking coming? And everyone, when he got the booking, everyone would cheer like it was a goal because you knew it was coming. You know, he's the kind of bloke that would, like, get the ball and throw at the linesman and get it back again. You know, just all that. Incredible personality, good footballer, and I just loved him. I just loved it when he came on. And, uh, yeah, John Walker in my team. And you just complete, and obviously we've had John on the channel as well, and he's just absolutely, obviously, you know, he's a little bit little bit calmer now. Um, yes. But when we started talking about the old days, you could see his, like, glint in his eye. And then he's, then he's like verbal diarrhea. He's like, I could tell you this other time. Right. I was, I was, uh, and this other time, and this other time, this, uh, it was like literally just like one after. It was like, it was all, like a little caged animal. Yeah. It was like, in the wild, telling all these stories. 
on Kerr as well is that I mean you obviously spoke to a lot of the players of that of that era, and I spoke to a few as well. And everyone's got a John Moncur story. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has got a moment of what he's done either on the training pitch or ever. I mean, you know, obviously different man these days, but um, everyone has got a something mad Moncur did. Yeah. And I, I love that, you know. I love when someone goes, "Oh, you never get this random Tuesday." He done this, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and, that, and that's that whole era encapsulated that I think you know there's just there's all these and obviously maybe, maybe without social media and stuff like that you know all these stories have become like folklore you know and yeah. it's like that the time where he was naked and and Sky were there and you know all that type of stuff. Um, so funny. Really, it's such a, such a funny bloke, right? Okay, we'll put Monks in. Who's next? Who's next then, Tom? Um, the midfield is not complete without Mark Noble. No yeah. West Ham midfield is complete without Mark Noble. Uh, again, right up my street. With the kind of player that I'm talking about, should have played for England. Yeah, should have played many, many times for England um, because he was such a complete midfielder when he was about 27, 27, 28. When the energy was still there, the legs were still there. Mm. Such an assured passer of the ball. Um, you know, people talk about Mark Noble with the tackles, the tenacity. Everyone thought he was a defensive midfielder for years. He's never been a defensive midfielder. Yeah. Um, he is a box-to-box central midfielder, and you know, for. For the many things I don't like about Manuel Pellegrini, I think he noticed that Mark Noble was a very good footballer. Yeah. And he might be the first West Ham manager to go, actually, this guy, he don't lose the ball. He is not going to give the ball away. And he put him slightly further forward. Moyes uses him there a bit now when he comes on. And I hope he goes on to have a bit of a, a John Monker last 15 minutes man over the next few years. But, you know, first of all, great footballer. Brilliant footballer. You know, the goal against Tottenham, coming through at 17, his weird little square head, all of that, you know, I, I love it. The fact he's sort of gone ball, but no one's noticed. His fringe now goes down like eight feet across his face. You know, I love all that. Yeah. Uh, he he reminds I me, mean, we're the same age, and he reminds me a lot of everyone that I know. Yeah. I feel like I could know Mark Noble. You're probably the same, same area as me. You know, he reminds me a lot of people that I do know. So you, you put all that together with the tackles, the picking up Herrera, the times he's booted people in the, into the stands. How he's performed in every Tottenham game, every single Tottenham game. You've never seen a man more possessed and driven to win for West Ham than Mark Noble. And then you couple that with what a brilliant captain. You know, how many people have got a story about fishing with Mark Noble or him putting it, putting his arm around them when they come to the club? Everyone who's gone through hard times, the players say Mark Noble's been invaluable. Every manager has said Mark Noble's been invaluable. Listen to what Kevin Nolan has said about Mark Noble, Sam Allardyce, David Moyes. Everybody says the guy is almost part of the coaching team. Now, I know he had his, he had his Diangana tweet moment, but even that, even that, I thought, was speaking for supporters. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't, uh, I, you know, there were people on TalkSport that aren't really part of the club or whatever, and they were, set, they were, they were sort of bashing it and saying, what's that going to do to morale? I think nothing galvanised the support going into no, the season. More than Mark Noble saying what he thought. Mm. And Mark Noble should get free license to say what he thinks at all times. And then you take all that and then you put it together with his charity work. You put it together with his, his work in the community. You put that together with just everything. And there was a wonderful interview um, with Graham Hunter. You know, he does the series of interviews. Uh, in his mm. um, sorry, Graham, I've forgotten the title now. But he does he's brilliant, uh, the interview or the conversation or something. Yeah. And I was grand about it actually uh, on another show I was doing. I was I was saying that I thought it was great that Mark Noble was brilliant. And he's talking about when he was investing in a housing project and he's investing in affordable homes and all that sort of stuff. And the interview with Grandma, well worth checking out because um, he just talks he just talks to people about 
how much he believes in the people, the area. He wants everyone's lives, his people to get better. You know, everything about Mark Noble is just brilliant. He's a brilliant, brilliant person. He was a brilliant, brilliant player. I think he's still got a lot to offer. He's obviously a very intelligent footballer. Mm. And I would just love to see Mark Noble be West Ham manager. I would just love... If he wants to do it, you know, it's so hard to get people to want to be managers these days for very obvious reasons. It's why Big Sam keeps coming back, because no one wants to do it. Um, but if there's a pathway for Mark Noble to be West Ham manager, I can't think of a, a, a thing that would make me happier. No, I know what you mean. I totally agree. I totally agree. And it's funny because I was obviously, you know, f- very, very fortunate obviously to, to be at the games. And and last season, that Chelsea game, I it was almost like fan cam. And I was just like a player cam, but he wasn't playing. And I was watching Mark Noble sitting in, in, so obviously, you know, where you guys sit, you know, the disabled sits, that's where all the auxiliary players sit because obviously social distance. And Mark was literally right in front of me. And I watched him almost the whole game. And he was watching it like a fan. And you know, everyone knows that he's a fan and Western. Yeah. But actually seeing it for believing proper. it. Was, yeah, absolutely proper. And he literally, you know, as soon as that whistle happened, and obviously we Yarmouth scored that third goal, he jumped over that barrier. Um, to get, And I was like, oh, God. You know, because it was like a bit of a drop, to be honest. You know, yeah. I wouldn't have advised it just to get into the tunnel, just to be with the, just to be with the players. And it was, yeah, he's he's, he's just there's, there's no words to describe Mark Noble. I don't think. Yeah, an absolute living legend. Um, right, okay, so we've got Monks, we've got Noble. Who's going to be this third pillar in this midfield? The third man who plays number ten for this team and will create the chances to lead us to Champions League glory. It's Dimitri. Yeah. Dimitri Payet is in my team. Yeah. He is the most talented player we have had that I have seen. Mm. That season was just so magical in so many ways. And I think so much of it was because of him. You know, oh. we, we, could, we could all pick out multiple games where he was the best player on the field by such a distance that I remember yeah. being like slack-jawed, Arsenal away slack-jawed at how good he was. The Man United game, the last game, so, so good. Man United in the cup when he scored that free kick. The Palace free kick, uh, you know, the way he played away at Everton when we got the, the late comeback there. Like, There's so many games and so many moments. You know, I've not seen many players, the Anfield win, of course, players who could pick the ball up in danger in his own half and carry it 40 yards upfield, shrugging players off like they weren't even there, you know. And it's not just that he was skillful, which he was, but he just had a way of keep chopping the ball around that no one could follow. He wasn't like a 400-stepper-over guy. He could do that, of course. But I think the key thing about Dimitri was he was able to chop the ball around with perfect balance Combine that with his his bulk, and he was built for the Premier League. The crossing, the attitude, everything. Such a shame it wasn't built to last. Mm. You know, I think that he never really wanted to leave Marseille. And, you know, we've all heard the stories, which I don't want to get into because I can't speak to the veracity of them. Um, I think he he had to get back to Marseille. I'm not sure he ever wanted to leave Marseille. Uh, I think it was always going to be a brief sojourn at West Ham. I wish it didn't end like it did because if he could have just finished that second season and gone, I think everyone would have gone, thank you. 
Thank you and goodbye. Leaving in the January was hard. It's hard for all of us. And it, it does paint people's memories of him. And even when West Ham official tweet like the Palace goal, whatever now, or the Middlesbrough goal, or the assist at Watford, people go, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see it. Don't show me this. And that's such a shame because we haven't seen a player that magic. No. You know? And um, I'm over that now. Yeah. I'm over it. I felt like I got over it quite quick. But um, I was definitely super annoyed for a while, like everybody was. Yeah. But just I feel blessed to have seen him. I was in attendance for a lot of those goals, a lot of those moments. And even, you know, to a personal memory, I took my nephew to the Accrington Stanley game. And I don't get to go to as many games as I would like because I work a lot Saturdays, Sundays. You know, I really have to make it work to get to West Ham as a fan mm. as well. Yeah. It's even worse to get there. You know, I haven't got a season ticket. I'm not a member this uh, these days. It's all very difficult. But I got to take my nephews who at the time were, oh, let's say five, seven and nine. Sorry to my sister if I got their ages wrong as usual, but it's something like that. They're all young boys. Yeah. And uh, we stayed to the end. We were at the end where we scored the free kick against Accrington Stanley, like last minute. And we just got past Accrington Stanley. We were useless on the day. Yeah. But I got to see, and that may be his last goal for us. I'm not sure we scored again. But we got to see a Dimitri Payet free kick in the flesh as yeah. a group. And it was just magic and i won't forget it i don't forget it and i appreciate that we had him because he was stunning yeah he was he was he was a phenomenal player and i don't think we'll ever well i don't think we ever see anyone that that caliber in in the claret and blue unless you know there's a, a massive change i mean unless barama unless saeed becomes that person but you know he's um, though like we'll have other great players we've had great players i've got a couple yeah. more great players that come in my team tevis is already in my team you know yeah. but there is only going to be one dimitri Payet because of when he came yeah what it was he was. i mean that season which was you know we spoke about the, the the move earlier you know it was tough it was a tough season but it was so joyous and everything was just right yeah we had all products in the team in tomkins and noble we had Dimitri, we had, it's everything about it was just, it was just right. And if it wasn't for robbery from terrible officials, we'd have finished fourth. Yes. You know, what we deserved that season, if not more. And the cup. We should have won the cup. We should have come fourth. But the officials were so useless, as they always have been and always will yep. be. No matter how many replays you can you can show them, they're still stupid. I still don't you know? get it. And that's what it cost us. Anyway. It's true. And I think, I think with him as well, I just think he's... Um, I just think with him, he just was this incredible. Well, he just did it from day one, didn't he? Like I remember that the South South End friendly that he was like his date proper date, and he was just like, this guy's good. And yeah, he was. And it's funny, he's like, he's one of those players who everyone literally was say, oh, who are you gonna play? Who are you gonna pick next? Oh, everyone's gonna hate me, but I'm gonna pick Dimitri Payet. But everyone yeah. does. I think he's like literally at the moment, he was like top of all the midfielders in my like so far, my hammers elevens, um, because he made such an impact. Because as you said, it was it was not necessarily his longevity, but that season and what he brought to that season, that season would not have been the same if it wasn't for him. But he he was he not only was he a great player and all of that, you couple that with then what happened with France in the summer tournament where everyone was talking about our player being the best player in the tournament. Uh, you know, we had the best player in European football for a brief period. We had a Ballon d'Or nominee for a brief period, you know, yeah. which is just inexplicable for us. You know, it was mm. he was a cultural phenomenon. And, you know, it was a, a wonderful summer affair 
you know and i i wish it could have continued forever but yeah. they never they never do, do they? They never do. Holiday romances. Um, right, okay, so for Demi and Nets, who do we get up front? Who's going to be your first first uh, striker then, Tom? Number nine, Dean Ashton. Dean Ashton uh, was so, again, a special player for us. Um, firstly, the FA Cup run, the goal at Man City, the goal in the final, all of that, you know, he was so pivotal to it. You know, everyone's got personal memories of these things. I was in... A hostel in Amsterdam watching the Man City game. My dad was at the game and he was trying to ring me from the game. I'm uh, in Amsterdam. So I wasn't quite in the position to take a phone call at the time. And uh, my dad was uh, at the game and he was trying to ring me at half time saying, We're going to win, we're going to win, blah, blah, blah. And I remember when Dino scored that goal, you know, the, flicked it into his own path, burst past the centre half, then bashed it in the, in the corner. And it was just a world class goal. Mm-hmm. world-class goal from a man at the absolute peak of his powers um and i celebrated wildly that evening uh as you can imagine i was in a bar in thailand when he scored the overhead kick against man united when he'd come back from injury we lost the game but fans at old Trafford were clapping him and i remember being in this bar and it was all man united fans and when he scored i went on the most outrageous rant to all these man united fans about how good dean ashton was for about 10 minutes i did get removed uh, from the bar, which is not easy to do in a bar in Thailand, but that that's a tiger for you. Um, yeah. You know, so I've got loads of great. He seemed to do lots of things at personal times for me, and uh, I once went to a. I told Dean this once. I once went to a uh, a fancy dress party, and I was invited to this party like an hour to go before the party, and they were like, "You've got to wear a fancy dress." So I went to Dean Ashton, <laughs> which is so dumb. But I had like I had like bleach blonde hair and I had the West Ham kit from the FA Cup. And I was like, right, yeah. I'm going with Dean Ashton. And the whole party, people were like, who you come as? And I was like, Dean Ashton. And they were like, what? And I just explained individually who Dean Ashton was to these people who didn't football. Uh, it was the greatest party I ever went to. I got to speak about Dean Ashton all night. Yeah. But he was so good. And he was such a good striker. And again, maybe it's a West Ham thing, but all my greats tend to be tinged with sadness. Because, of course, the injuries and, you know, when he came back and then we lost him again, he tried yeah. to come back we lost him again. Yeah. You know, I think Dean Ashton would have gone on to play for one of the top six teams in England. I think he would have got 40, 50 England caps. I think he had that combination of power, speed, precision. He could add the ball. He was versatile. And he was nowhere near his peak when he had to retire. Nowhere near it. And you could tell how much he was improving. You could tell how good he was. And we got the best of Dean Ashton. I know they love him at Norwich. I know they love him at Crewe. And he loves them back, you know, because he's such a nice guy. Mm -hmm. And you can tell again when you watch him on TV, you know, I've worked with him a little bit. Good analyst, reads the game well, knows strikers. He knows strikers intrinsically. And you could see that. And um, gutted we didn't get more of him. But what we got, I appreciate. Yeah, definitely. As you said, he was the... he, He was... He was, in my opinion, the most complete striker I think we've had in the modern era. You know, he just said everything, didn't he? He just literally had everything. You know, had the pace, had the power, had the skill. And, yeah, it's just really, typical West Ham gets literally snatched away from us by the smallest player ever to play for England. Or I still can't see any, watch anything with Sean Wright Phillips on. I really, it's really weird. I still like turn it up. You know, he was doing Crouchy's thing over the summer. I couldn't watch it. Could not watch it. it, it, it I mean, you know, it is tough. I haven't... Uh... I've still not got over it. I remember, I mean, at the time when you heard that you got got injured and you were like, Sean Wright Phillips? Yeah. 
you know, I'll never, and I just, you know, in a joke way, but also seriously, I'll never forgive him. Yeah. <laughs> right, all right, we'll put Dino in. Who's, who's the last piece of this Tom Pye then? Who, who's your last striker? The last piece is inevitable. Everyone knows it's coming because I say Dimitri was the most talented player we had, but he he, he won't ever be Paolo Di Canio. Oh, so, okay, Paolo Di Canio, sorry. Because I look like him, right? You were looking at me thinking that is Zaza. <laughs> you know, it had to be Di Canio. You know, I think just so magic, so magic in so many ways from, from I mean, you know, we could all do our Di Canio memories. I remember... A personal one is when I was listening in the car, you know, I'm a radio commentator now, and the first radio commentary I truly remember loving was Jonathan Pierce's work on West Ham Arsenal when he yeah. scored two goals. You know, the first one where he runs from the halfway line and then suddenly breaks him again in the penalty area and he scores. The one where he mugs off Martin Keown and volleys in the top corner. I was sitting in the car outside the Lakeside Shopping Centre uh, and my mum and sister were browsing around Lakeside and I was like, I've got to see what's happening in the West Ham game. And there used to be a shop where you could watch teletext outside, a video shop. And um, for whatever reason, I couldn't, I couldn't watch it there. And so I went back. I got my mum to give me the keys. And I'm quite young, so it's a bit of a bold move because I was a bit of a nightmare. But she gave me the car keys and I went to the car and I listened to the game on Capital Gold with Jonathan Pierce, who was, who was just phenomenal on the radio in that era. It might have been with Tony Gow as well, now I think about it, but I remember Pierce doing it. And it was just exceptional commentary. Uh, and it certainly is a very key moment in my love of, of, of radio commentary and wanting to do it, but also Paolo himself. You know, I was at Old Trafford when he scored the goal against Fabian Bartes and all that. Um, you know, I was uh, I was at the Wimbledon game when he scores the greatest goal of all time. You know, and there's there's so many. You know, when uh, when he scores the goal against Chelsea, the Mamma Mia. You know. The fact he could have gone to Man United all that time, but didn't go because he was a lunatic. You know, the fact that the fact that Ferguson wanted him in that era and what a player he would have been for them, by the way. You know, he wanted him to replace Teddy Sheringham uh, when Sheringham was sort of like past his peak, you know, in that. And, and Decanio would have been great for them, but he didn't go for whatever reason. The fact he wouldn't show up for away games in the Northeast, you know, the, the, the Bradford game, the best game I ever saw in my entire life when he... When he tried to get Harry to take him off, <laughs> I mean, I've heard Harry tell that story a few times. And then he yeah. goes on to score when him and Lampard have the row about the ball to take the penalty. You know, how many stories could you do about Paolo Di Canio? I was at the game after September 11th when he had the the US uh, flag uh, as uh, as the captain's armband, and when he scores, oh, I forget who it was against. There might have been Newcastle. Um, he jumps into the crowd and the Bobby Moore afterwards, you know, and he's waving the, the stars and stripes around, you know, it was a tough time for everybody in this country as well as in America, of course. And, and, you know, he just, he just got it, you know, a man whose emotions were so raw at all times. And that spoke to him as a player, as it spoke to him as a person. And, you know, people have their issues with Paolo as a person. And I fully appreciate that. And, um, you know, I'm not here to say he is the greatest person that I could imagine. I agree with his political views and all of that. You know, I, I speak to some of my Italian colleagues who have got no time for Paolo Di Canio. Uh, and, you know, we don't want to go down that route here, but I understand it. But he was just so special, a player we should not have had. You know, a bit like Dimitri, a player we should not have had, a player that belonged at such a higher level. 
but he was so nuts that he couldn't do it at a higher level. You know, what some of the goals he scored in Serie A, you know, yeah. ludicrously talented, had to go to Celtic because he couldn't be handled anymore in Italy, came to us because Sheffield Wednesday could not handle this guy anymore. I think maybe only Harry could have harnessed Di Canio. You know, I, it was a great chat you had with, with, with Harry. And obviously everyone's seen so many great anecdotes with with, with, with yeah. And I think that he was the kind of manager that could just get magic out of this nutter. You know, and I mean that in the most affectionate way. I know that's got horrible connotations these days, but I mean that really affectionately because yeah. he just couldn't be harnessed. He couldn't be controlled. Uh, but if you could get him, get his magic boots on and get him out there doing his thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then he gave you some of the most magic memories ever. And he was just so talented. The way he could beat three, four, five players, you know, a bit like, again, not a step over merchant, but he was a chopper. He could chop it left, right, left. Yeah, perfect, yeah, yeah. You know, perfect, perfect balance. You know, and you couple that with the feeler shirt, the great shirt of that era. You couple it with the blonde highlights. You couple it with the Italian kit when we had the Italian player, the Italian cut of the feeler kit. You know, everything about it was so perfect. Again, all too brief, but it was just, yeah, I loved him. I loved him so much. And I loved the fact he loved us. Yes. You know, I think that there were certain players that fit with certain clubs. I don't, I think he'd have gone to Man U and been brilliant. I think he would have been bombed out after 18 months for some reason. You know, he probably would have won the league with them. He should have won more, someone that won more things, someone that talented. But yeah. uh, I think it just it just fit, it just fit him and us it, that era, the manager, everything. I think he was never going to work with Glenn Roder. No, don't talk to me about Glenn Roder. But uh, I mean, you can tell again that when Brooking came in for that run at the end, suddenly Paolo was back. Yeah, exactly. Because he needed someone that could understand the concept of enigma. And I don't think the accountant we had in charge for two years understood what Di Canio could bring. I think people like Harry and people like Brooking, um, they got Di Canio. They got what he could do. They got what he was about. They knew that you had to harness the lightning. And I think think maybe Glenn Roder might have once asked Di Canio to track back. You don't ask Palo Di Canio to track back. He might track back if he feels like it. You know? And, and that was Paolo, and I just, I just love him. And I just think with, with Paolo as well, I just think he, he, as you said, we should never have got him, but we got him for what he did. And and you know, in a way, with, with a lot of players actually, when they come back to West Ham, they come to West Ham, we sort of almost resurrect their career. And we sort of, res- yeah. I mean, he, you know, he was in the doldrums, obviously, what he did with with Allcott, but no one would touch finished. Yeah, and then obviously he, he, he then you know, from from being okay at, at Sheffield Wednesday with him and Carbone, yeah. To become, you know, West Ham, and then then he's, you know, he's in the same bracket as as Zola and Burkamp and Henri in terms of their impact in the Premier League. He's, yeah. he's he's in that sort of, you know, he never would have been that if he wasn't at West Ham because of the impact he had at West Ham as well. So, I think he knows that as well. I think that's why there's this sort of, and it's it's it's, it's there's certain players. I mean, obviously Carlos is the same. You know, he you know they just, you know, they're not from around these parts, but there's some affiliation there and, you know, a love for the club. And, yes. you know, it's, 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 a, it's a bizarre thing. It's a bizarre thing why it works, but it just worked. And that was Paolo, wasn't he? He's yeah. a bizarre player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There is that incredible thing where 
you can't you maybe i mentioned this earlier on sometimes you're not from an area but there's a, there's a feel about a club you know fortune's always hiding like my dreams it is going to fade and die guys you know mm. that that element of the west Ham support you know the song encapsulates the club uh the song encapsulates the fans there is you know i hate to say working class because i don't know what that is in 2020 as opposed to yeah. You'd know what it was in 1970, you know. Yeah. No one's down the pits at this point. No, we're probably going back, but that's a whole yeah, other thing. Yes, it will be. Uh, but um, I think that there is still a semblance of what it means to be West Ham and the area. And the area is that weird combination of impoverished and wealthy. It's people yeah. with work ethic and people that have done good from their work ethic, you know, and all of that comes together, I think. And when you're from, you know, I, I don't want to compare us to... Uh, to Buenos Aires or to Napoli or whatever, you know, or Lazio, you know, these sorts of other working class places that have a kind of vociferal and working class support. But there is something there. I don't know what it is in 2020, the year 2000, but there's something about the people and the combined histories and the docks and all that that Mm. brings certain types of player from certain types of places when they come to West Ham, it works. And Paolo was one. Tevez was one. I think Dimitri, to a point, was one. Mm. You know, and Steve Lomas, I think, goes in that group as well. You know, they do. I mean, look. I mean, it's like Alvin, Alvin as well. You know, it's like from Liverpool. We we have a big. There's you know everyone who, who comes down from from the Mersey side. You know, Mark Wards and, and you know and all these. All these yeah, all these Mickey Mouses, they come down here and it's and it and it's his affiliation, isn't it? And it's it's um yeah, and it, yeah, it's 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 nice, isn't it? That we have I mean it's like everyone we've interviewed, all the ex-players, all they talk about is is how much they enjoyed their time at West Ham, the fans, you know, not one person says something bad about it. Nigeria Coker said half a bad thing about yeah. it. Well, I mean I, that relationship can go both ways, no question. It can go both ways. If the fans don't like you. Good luck to you, you know, and um, I think that that does go both ways. I don't think West Ham are unique in that, but there is sometimes a unique relationship between clubs and fans. And and, and ours do have certain players that we adopt for whatever reason. And it isn't just good players. You know, we've had good players that we've not liked. That's true. Yeah, Yeah. I think people like wanted to love an Altovich, but just did something wasn't right there with him. You know, he wasn't fully our type of person. I think because of his complete lack of any concept of loyalty. And I think that that's important to West Ham. Because Decanio wanted to leave. I don't, I, I've no doubt that Decanio would have wanted to go. But I think he also wouldn't have gone unless the circumstance was right. For him, for us, you know, it's the Dimitri thing. Dimitri stayed till the summer. People would have gone, thank you very much and move on. The way he left and always sit wrong with us. You know, and um, I, I think that there's always going to be that with, with us. You know, lo- loyalty is important. And there's no loyalty in the modern game, sure, but it goes back to Declan Rice. If he gives us seven years and five full seasons as captain, and a 25 goes to, if it has to be Chelsea, I'll, you know, fine, I hope it's something better than that. But, um, you know, preferably Real Madrid, where he should be playing because he's so good. Totally. Um, but if he gave us five years and went to 25 to Real Madrid, I think everyone would go fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we all, we, we, we'd almost, you know, to be fair, the summer, we was almost walking him out the front door. Yeah, oh, well, he's, he's bound to go. Good luck to you, Declan. Good luck to you. Yeah. Scott Parker's there. Hello, what about me? What about me? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Declan Rice, well, you know, so it's, um, 
yeah, it's as you said, it's all about loyalty and it's, it's about how people leave clubs in West Ham, it seems. Yeah, it's why people you know, have always, I don't think people have ever had a bad word to say about Michael Carrick. No, he gave us that year in the championship, yeah. and he could have walked away, he could have gone, and many did. But Carrick, I refuse to believe no one came in for him. Uh, and obviously, yeah. we sold him for rubbish money in the end, I mean, it was like three mil we sold him for, and it should have been 50, oh, yeah. but yeah, by the by, he gave us that year. And he could have gone and he could have forced a move like others did. Hi, Jermaine. Um, yeah. But uh, he didn't. And I, I, he'll always be quite high in my estimation because of that. I agree. And mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned Scott Parker. If he'd have done one year in the championship for us and then got the top. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's for me, I, I, I'm that's one of when people pick Scott Parker, I'm always, yeah, good on you because, you know, he. Three time member of the year. Exactly. Three he, carried, he carried that team for us. He carried us. I wanted yeah. to put him in. I really, really did. And I like him. I like him as a person. I like him as a coach. I like his incredible clothes. I like what he's done with Stylish, man. everything about him. They went to Tottenham the year we went down. And I can't accept it. I'm sorry. There are so many. Right, it's okay. That's one. It's okay. Anyway, thank you so much, Tom, for your time. This is so fun. I can't believe how long I've gone on for. You really got you to know what? I was going to say, I've just checked. I've just checked. Congratulations. This is the longest episode we've had um there we go so i went on the um i went on the knees at mother brown podcast uh when the lads were doing it when james and chris were doing it yeah i only did, did it once because they said it was the longest show they did because <laughs> i went on for so long chris, chris can fucking talk in it so it's like jesus you know <laughs> longest all of them. like 40 minutes and i gave them like an hour and 20 you like caged, isn't it? And it's like you can talk about West Ham. Oh, okay, you know. I could have done three hours on the cup final team. I could have done any. I could have done three hours on last night's game. I just, yeah. I'm so like they are so much a part of me, and you know, I I, I try and if I'm, I don't really cover West Ham games, but obviously yeah. if I did it for work, I absolutely would. But at the moment, I'm in a good position where I don't have to do West Ham games because it is so much a part of who I am that I think I find it quite difficult to separate myself from it. Look, professionally, I did the game between West Ham and Arsenal a few years ago when Jack Collison scored the opening goal for us. And you go back and hear that game, and this is a real learning curve in my career, actually, because Jack Collison's goal, you would have thought it was Maradona in the World Cup. (laughs) And then when I think Giroud scores Arsenal's fifth, you wouldn't even know that. Yes, I wouldn't know it was a goal. You know, it's... That's like I with Mark. Much, uh, I cannot do that again because no. that wasn't there to any Arsenal fan listening. And you owe the audience. Yes. If not neutrality, you owe them fairness. I don't think yeah. neutrality is possible and I don't offer you that. But I do offer you fairness yeah. as a commentator and I offer you my honesty. And uh, I don't want it to be a supporter of one team no. against your team. You know, yeah. because enough, but I, I, you know, all that, commentators hate it when you accuse them of bias because when you're on there behind the mic, you actually don't have it. You know, people are like, I always get, oh, you're very biased against West Brom today. I couldn't give a toss about West Brom, mate. I don't, yeah. there's no way, you know, and yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't feel any anti-Tottenham feeling when I'm on there. It's my job. My mortgage relies upon it. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not doing that now, but yeah. in this context, I'm happy to say Scott Parker, I'll never forgive you. <laughs> and that and that will uh, that will conclude today's interview thank you very much for your time tom i really appreciate it. and obviously thanks everyone for watching well done well done for watching to the end endurance <laughs> exactly don't forget to give it a share give it a like give it a subscribe uh and for me and tom take care everyone um wash those hands 
Come on, you irons, and we'll see you again very, very soon. Take care, everyone. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.